And so what I want to do is I want you to turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 23. And I'm going to read from verse 20 and verse 23. And it's actually a guy named Benaniah. And he's actually give you a little bit. David, King David had 33 mighty men. And Benaniah was one of his mighty men. He was actually uh, incredible. And David had these mighty men. And the thing I love about the mighty men before they became mighty men, they were men in debt. They were desolate. They just didn't have a lot. And then God brought them together. David had his cave days where he's running from his enemy. And God began to forge these men to become powerful men together. And they began to do great exploits for God and for their king and their country. And so I just want to read. And I love stories like that. I love as a little kid. I mean, I love I love superheroes. I love things like that, you know, and so. Just be able to, to read things like this. Let me just, the Bible's full of incredible stories. And, you know, it has, it has humor. It has intrigue. It has mystery. It has, uh, you know, where the underdog becomes incredible because of what God has done in them and through them and with them in their lives. And I just look at this guy. And there was a, I'm going to start reading. And there was, I'm going to read from the NLT, New Living Translation. There was also Ben and I, the son of, uh, Jodiah, a valiant, a valiant warrior from Kezbil, uh, Kebzil, sounds like Bazil, but anyway, he did many heroic deeds, which including killing two champions of Moab. Another time on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. One, once armed with and a club, he killed an, a great Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Ben and I wrenched or took the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. That's a bad dude. And said, deeds like this made Benaniah as one of the famous as the three mightiest men. He was more honored than all other members of the 30, though he was not one of the three. And David made him captain of his bodyguard. One of the things that I've realized is that when you think about this symbolic, there's two things I want you to see before I begin to preach. Just some free stuff here. When you look at uh, the lion represents the enemy. The Bible says the enemy goes around like a roaring lion, seeking who, to whom it may devour. And so what happens is it'll roar, it'll, it'll do things, and it sets you in your tracks. And that's where the enemy, he wants to come in like, and, and begin to roar something in your life and be, make you feel like you're paralyzed and you can't move, you can't do anything. How many of you ever been in fear before? You know, ha, 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 ha. You say, well, I don't know what to do. And so what happens is right here, we know this. And so... If you know anything, if I, I, I was in Broussard last week, and they have the Acadiana Zoo. And if you go to the Acadiana Zoo, they have a lion in there. And that lion, and I've been to Africa. I go to Africa sometimes once or twice a year. And I've seen real African lions. In fact, while I was there last time, we went to the lion farm. Me and my best friend, we were turning around, taking a picture, posing. And there was two big old lion, male lions. And one got riled up because he saw our ham hocks. You know, yeah, we, you know, you're taking a picture. You don't realize he's going to, hmm. Anyway, sizing you up. And, but what happens is the Bible says that the enemy's like that. And so what the lion represents here is symbolic of Satan. And what happens is, is that we know this, is that he will try to come and begin to roar and begin to do things. When a lion roars, it shows two things. First of all, it begins to show its dominance. By it when it roars. And then when it roars, it begins to proclaim its authority. Now, what happens? And then you look at the Egyptian, which represents the world. We know this, that God takes us out of the world. Even, and he delivers us from our 
uh, where we were prisoners. Come on, how many of you were prisoners to sin? And sometimes you didn't even need devils to help you. You just did things you like. There were things you just like doing. Okay, I'm in the right church. I'll go down the street anyway. But what happens is it's symbolic of the world. And so right here, here's a picture of a guy that overcame the enemy and overcame the world, but God was with him. Are you hearing me? It's the same with, with you and I. And so sometimes we need to quit, quit living our, our life, quit living as the purpose of our life is to arrive safely to death. And sometimes we need to run to the roar and not away from the roar. And see, because what happens, we know this, that Jesus is called the Lion of Judah. And we know this, that they put, they put him on the cross. We know that he, just like you did in communion this morning, we, we celebrated what God did. He had a broken body for you and me. His blood was shed for us, that we could walk in forgiveness. We could walk in the power of God. But the Bible says they, not only did they put him in the cross, but they put him in a tomb. And three days later, he overcame death, hell, and the grave. And the same power that lived in Jesus, the Bible says, lives in us. And so we have resurrection power. So when Jesus came out of the tomb... He began to roar. He began to show his dominance and he took his authority. And he just didn't keep the authority for himself, but he gave authority to us as believers. Amen. And so for every one of us, I believe that you got to go after your dream that's destined to fail without God showing up. Some of us are afraid to do things, but God's been speaking to us that we need to begin to get to get in the boat with him and say, "Okay, God, I see the things that I need to do. I know there's things you've called me to do. But you know what? I believe that you need to stop pointing out your problems. Well, I can't do this because of that. How many of you know we all got issues? Okay, let me let, let's let's take a test. How many of you did something this week you're not very proud of? How many of there's some things you've said that you go, I ain't telling nobody what I said. How many of you got things that you might have been in a stoplight or someone cut you off and you gave them a peace symbol? Please don't raise your hand. But there are just things that happen to us in our lives. And we go, man, what is, what's this all about? And we need to stop pointing out our problems and become part of the solution. Amen. You know, I can gripe, I can complain. I go, I got cancer, I got this. My parents were divorced when I was 10. I, I could go, and we all have stories. Come on, every one of us should have a story of being an overcomer because what Christ has done inside of every one of us, we face the enemy, we, we live in the world, but we can be overcomers when we look to him. And so stop re- repeating the past and start creating the future. See, grab the opportunity that you have, that God gives you. And see, live like today is your first day and your last day. And let me tell you something, you'll live differently. And some of us need to, we need to begin to burn sinful bridges and we need to blaze new trails in our lives. See, some of us, you know, we keep going to the past and go, let me tell you something. You can't stay in the past. I believe that because what happens, your past will mess you up. You know, I hear people, you know, I hear voices. I do too, every day. I hear voices. How many of you hear voices in your head? I mean, how you know, not crazy, but we all hear voices. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we hear voices like sleep in. Come on, the snooze thing. But you can't keep pressing the snooze and expect to show up at work on time if you keep avoiding what you need to do. And see, what happens is, I believe this, we need to live for the applause of the nail-scarred hands. And the applause for people that are pulling for us, that are believing for us, that are, you know, saying, man, you know what? I believe you can make it. How do you live for the applause of one? I'm glad you'll ask. I love it when I come to you. You'll ask great questions. You see, don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. 
Can I say that again? Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Dare to fail. We're all going to fail. We're all going to fall. We're all going to have setbacks. But I believe this. Dare to be different. Quit holding out. Quit holding back. Quit running away. So here's some things I want to to give four points, and I'm going to be done this morning. We're going to pray. First thing is you need to learn to chase lions. There's two kinds of courage. There's regular courage. Napoleon Bonaparte said there's two kinds of courage. There's regular courage, and there's two o'clock in the morning kind of courage. He said most generals don't have that kind of courage. That means at 2 o'clock in the morning, how many know you can be disoriented, don't know where you're at, trying to find out what's going on? But what happens is you're ready, you're prepared. Come on. And so for some of us, we're just just kind of going through life. We're not ready to react. I remember one time my son, Zach, he was trying to scare my my sister-in-law, Cheryl's aunt, Bernetta. And she used to work with us on staff, and they live in Lake Charles now. And I love her. She's a wonderful, wonderful lady. And, but she, like, if you scare her, she just, like, freaks. And but she's not the kind that screams. Like, him and a guy, Jordan, were at her house one day, and they saw her getting out of her truck. And all of a sudden, they, they run around the corner, and they go, boo! And she just went, oh! She's like, she melted. You know, it's like the Rick of Witch. They could pour water on oh! I mean, we laugh about that to this day. So one day, Zach, he likes to scare people. He was here last week, right? And what happens, one day I'm coming in the house. He didn't even know. I don't know he's there. And he hides around the corner. And I come around the corner, and all of a sudden he goes, Whoa! And I went, Oh! I was ready to just went, Oh, Dad! And I go, Brother, don't do that to me. See, Ben of Naya's life was never the same after chasing a lion. Think about that. He chased a lion in a pit on a snowy day. He didn't get find himself in the pit and the lion jumped in it to find him. He ran to the pit where the lion was. He chased him. That'd be like from South Louisiana. It's like chasing a water moccasin on a muddy day in a, du- in a duck boat or blind. You got a problem. And see, what happens is, is that Ben and I's life, see, that you're, I believe this, we're one idea, we're one risk, we're one, one thing from totally being different, our life being totally different than where we are today. You see, of course, it will most likely be the toughest decision you have to make. Come on, because everything inside you goes, I ain't chasing no lion. You, you may, I believe this, some of us, you just need to take a huge risk. But if your dream doesn't scare you, and what God's telling you to do, then it's too small. You see, if you find yourself in a, in a pit or a lion on a snowy day, you got a problem. Come on. I mean, I think with snowy day, there's no grip. You got to face that thing. That means you, maybe you've never faced something like this before. But what it would be, it would most likely be for most of us it most likely be our last problem we ever have we found a lion in a pit on a snowy day right but think about it for a moment how awesome would it be on your resume finish high school so and so did this so and so did this accomplish this and then it has a little thing killed a lion imagine you think you would have a little bit of like conversation with someone there's a war tribe in africa and when they're 12 and 13 years old, they send them out of the village and the boys there have to go kill a lion. 
to prove their manhood. 12 or 13. Think about that. Okay? Brother Keith, who's my spiritual grandfather and Pastor Jamie's great-grandfather in the Lord. And he said he met a guy one time and he had a scar across his face. And, and he asked him, he said, and he began to tell him he was one of the warriors. Brother Keith knew about them. And he said, how would you get that scar? He said, well, when I went and killed a lion with a group of guys. And he looked at it. It was like, to us, we go, oh, a scar. But he was like, to him, it was, some, it was, a, it was like a badge or a medal of pride. That we did because see what they do is they take they make lion spikes and lion spikes are made out of the bone of a cow or a water buffalo. And what they do is they try to put that lion spike in the lion's mouth. So when he tries to clamp down on it, he can't can't close his jaw anymore. He's just stuck. Imagine that's your hey, you do the you do. You know, you like you draw you you, you draw sticks and go your job's lion spike. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> But what happens, can you imagine what a 12 or 13-year-old, 14-year-old boy would look like that just killed the lion that's coming back to the tribe? How would he walk? Man, they walked out there going, man, I promise you they're coming back. I'm the man. And the whole tribe celebrates and they, they call him in the manhood because they were able to face a lion. And see, for every one of us, I believe spiritually sometimes, you know, when we run, all we do is we walk timidly. And see, Ben and I got the dream job. Think about it. How awesome would it be? He got the dream job. He was the personal bodyguard of David. His life, he lived, he, he, his, he exceeded his wildest dreams. Think about it. He, and then not only that, out of the 33 mighty men, he was the only mighty man that went from David's reign to Solomon's reign and served Solomon. And he became commander over the army for, his, for David's son, Solomon. Think about that. The only one. So there was some integrity in him. There was something about him. And I believe that we're one decision. One decision can determine our, your destiny. You see, and so here's number two. Stop running from your fears. You can run away from what you are afraid of and become a runner for the rest of your life. It's time to face your fears. Take a leap of faith. It's time to chase a lion. In every dream journey, there comes a moment when you have to quit living as if the purpose of your life is to arrive safely at death. You must go after your dream. That's that's the I believe that I'll just say this. You go after your dream that's destined to fail without God showing up. When God shows up in plain English, let me just say, go big or go home. Most of us spend our our lives running away from the things we're afraid of. We forfeit our dreams in the altar of fear. And it's like they used to say, no guts, no glory. Bring me that thing, Dwight. Most people believe God's real, but they don't live like it. See, faithfulness is not holding down the fort. Faithfulness is chasing a 500-pound lion. And see, what happens is a lot of people walk in fear or unforgiveness or whatever it is, and, and God's speaking to them to deal what they have to do. And it's like having a tumor. And you don't see it, but everybody else sees it. Come on. How's things going? People go, whoa, what's that? The Bible says this, the spirit of man knows the spirit of man. 
When you see someone walking in fear, our desire, you know, is I want to help them. I want to encourage them. But what happens is some people walk around with unforgiveness. Some people walk around. Let me just tell you, in this life, Jesus promised you will be offended. How many of you have been offended this week? Okay. How many of you got offended when you drove? Oh, they didn't put me in my right parking spot. I don't remember that. They didn't smile at me. Pastor Jamie just turned. Cheryl, you know, she looks great, but, you know, she just, she blinked. And all of a sudden, you walk around with this thing. When God's really speaking to you, are you hearing me? It's time to get rid of this. Whatever it is. And this morning, I'm talking about fear. Fear of facing what you know God's speaking to you about. I don't know what it is. But he's the only one that can remove it. And see, I believe this. Faithfulness is not just holding down the fort. Faithfulness is chasing that 500-pound lion. It's chasing that very thing. There's a brand of a religion that seems to be okay with breaking even. Don't do this. Don't be do that. Just You'll be safe. Can I just say, the problem with that, you can do nothing wrong and still do nothing right. See, I believe this. Breaking even means equals breaking bad. Not the TV series, but it just means that. God hasn't called us to play offense with our lives. God's called us to play offense with our lives. Those who run away from what's wrong will never amount to more than half Christians. Am I in the right church? You see, when we lack the guts to chase what God's telling us to chase and to face what we need, we rob God and we rob God of his glory that he deserves. The third thing is your destiny happens one decision at a time. You see, decision... Destiny is not a mystery. Destiny is a decision. A daring decision, a difficult decision, a counterintuitive decision inside in your feelings, in your emotions. You don't want there's some things you just don't feel like doing, but you got to do it. You fulfill your destiny, one decision, you encounter encounter, your one encounter from your destiny. Listen to me. No conflict, no story. A testimony means this. I faced something. I've been, I've been tested in my faith. I've been tested in my walk. I've been tested with things that come against me. And sometimes God used the farm of your family. God sometimes uses your job. Sometimes God will use your kids. Sometimes God will just bring circumstances wherever you are. Are you hearing me? And so I believe this. No conflict, no story. And that's what testimony means. I've been through a test. Now I've got a story to tell you about what God did to help me get through what I went through. You see, God wants to redeem every attack the enemy has waged on you. What do you mean, Pat? In fact, what the enemy intends for evil, God will, God will use for good. Here's the here's thing. Don't waste your suffering. Don't waste suffering. Let God work through that and in you and with you through that suffering. Don't waste failure. See, we can waste failure. We can waste disappointment. How many of you have been disappointed? How many of you know that sometimes your mate, just in the morning when you wake up in the morning, they have bad breath and their teeth don't shine? Or they don't say the thing you wanted them to say or you were hoping they would see this. Or, and we can walk in disappointment. Come on. Don't waste your disappointment. Don't waste your cancer. <laughs> don't waste your divorce. 
Because I believe this. You can't stay in a place where you're stuck or you're crippled for the rest of your life. You've got to face some things. And I know they're painful and they're hurtful and there's things that have happened, things that have been said. But I know that sticks and stones may break my bones. Remember what you say, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. I'd rather sticks and stones rather than words sometimes. Come on. But sometimes we face things. And, you know, I believe God wants to recycle those things for his purpose. That's what he wants to do. I mean, if you want to live an an epic, heroic, impressive, great life, you have to overcome big challenges. You see, you have to face big risks and big sacrifices. There's stories. That's what we that's what I love. I mean, I think about David when he fought Goliath. You know the story. We all know it. Remember, his daddy told him, he said, son, I want you to go down into the valley. I heard your bro- his brothers were fighting with King Saul and they were in the valley. And then this giant was in the valley. He went out every morning for 40 days straight. You imagine? And the Israel army was standing there. You know, and it was a valley they had to go. So they were on one side and they were on the Philistines were on the other side. And Philistine means this sameness. Just staying the same. And sameness begets lameness and lameness begets tameness. And that's where the devil wants you. I'll just you never face the giant in your life. You just stayed the same. Come on, I'm speaking to somebody this morning. At least God is because I feel it. And see, what happens is David comes and he's just going to deliver cheese and, and some goodies, a, a, a snack pack to his brothers. And his daddy said, come back and tell me what's going on. And so when he comes out there, he hears this, this giant from the Philistines going in the valley and calling out Israel and calling out God's name, defying it. I mean, going out there, your mama, your mama's so big, she got to iron her jaws on the driveway. She's so big, Israel. Yo, my, I mean, I mean, you know, just mocking God. I'm not going to go into all the mama jokes. We say I go way back. MP Moss Elementary. But what happens is, is that we know that David hears it and he goes. Who? I love what he said. It's what he said. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he taunts the armies of the living God? My question, how did he know? But anyway. And he begins to say stuff. And all of a sudden, the report comes back to Saul. I mean, there's a little kid over there. He's like full on saying stuff. He's talking different than everybody else. And they bring him before the king. And the king was really the one supposed to stand before the giant. And God would have used the king to take out the giant. And sometimes, listen, when we need to take out giants, God's calling us to do it and not someone else. But if you won't do it, God will send someone that will bring deliverance. And so what happens is he comes and then he comes to him and he, Saul goes, here, man, you know, what's, what's all this talk? And he goes, well, you're king. He was kind of humble. And he says, well, King Saul, I mean, you know, when I was watching my dad's sheep in the north part of Eunice, a lion came. I faced the lion of lust at a young age. And you know what? God was with me. I took out the line and the bear of oppression and depression came at me. And when he came at me, God was with me and I took out the lion and I took out the bear. And he goes, who is this Philistine compared to what God can do? If God was with me, then he's with me today. Listen, it's not 
God will start out with little giants. But if you continue to allow them to fester, they become bigger giants. And sometimes we give them more credit than what they're due, and they become bigger than what they really are. Because we're not willing to deal with things. Amen? And we, you know the rest of the story. He goes into the valley, and the giant looks at him. And, he sa- and I love what he says. Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? David goes, now I come in the name of the Lord God Almighty. And he flung that stone, and we know that God guided that, that projectile to hit him right where he needed to, fell down, took him out, grabbed Goliath's own sword and cut his head off and raised up his head with his hand. And the whole Israel, the Bible says that the Philistines ran. What happened, the people that were gripped in fear All of a sudden, they began to see what someone could do because they saw victory, because they saw courage, because they saw someone that God was with. It produced something inside of them. Because my decision, your decision is not just about you. It's about others. It always is. A legacy, when you leave a legacy, it's not about you. Your your decisions determine what others will do when you leave this earth. And so what happens is we know. And see... For David, it was a fight with Goliath. For Ben and I, it was chasing the lion. In every storyline, there's a defining moment, a turning point, a tipping point. It's a point of no return. And there's two, I believe this, it, there's two kinds of things, that, two basic varieties of incidences that can happen to us. First kind is things that happen to you that you can't control. Just stuff happens. You have no control. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you had one of those hit you one time? Where did that come from? Then there's the others, the second one that make things you make happen that you can control. And see, of course, even if there's something out of your control, you still control your reaction. You still control your choices. You, you know, you might not be responsible, but you are responsible for what you do. It's your ability to choose your response that will likely determine what your destiny is. I've seen people locked up on, on a wound or a hurt. Well, you don't know what they did to me. Pastor, well, you know that church thing. They, they, they said this. I went to that church and they, they were like, wow. Let me just say this. If you came here and you came with some devils, it's time to face them. If you didn't face it where you were before or what God's been speaking, you need to face it. You just need to. Last week when I was in Bruce, I was talking about how when I first got saved, I had to go face giants. I went on McKinley Street, the strip in Lafayette, where everybody parties and stuff. And when I was there, the first service, I was just mentioning that when I got saved, Pastor Jacob, the Lord, I was there the next night. And what happens is I started, I just started going there and preaching to people. And a guy that was in the crowd, the first service came to me after. He said, Pastor Bubba, you might not remember me. He said, this is 37 years ago. Think about this. He goes, you might not remember me, but I used to be a bouncer, a bouncer at Mako's. I lost my wife last year. I'm raising six children by myself. And my twin son's by me. And he said, I remember when you came and you spoke to me about Jesus. And he said, not only did I remember it, but it had an incredible impact in my life. I, let, me, let me just say this. I didn't know scripture except if you didn't know God, you're going to hell. You know what? I didn't know. But God told me to go. I, there were some things. I look back and go, God helped me face some devils early. 
So I would be able to face sea devils in other people and help them with their devils. That's what a pastor is. That's a devil. No, your wife ain't the devil. There's a devil in her. And you've allowed the devil to manifest in you. Now there's two devils trying to live. A house divided will not stand. And see what happened. I mean, he, he said, he, he said, he elbowed his twin son. He said, man, y'all better shut up and listen. He got something to say because I remember what he said to me. And the second service, another guy came. He'd only been saved like three months. And he looked at his wife. He goes, that's the guy that talked to me at the strip. I hadn't been to the strip in 36 years. And it just blew me away. Made me think, you know what? Decisions we make affect others. And we don't know how, how long ago, what we said, what we did. It was just something that God directed me. No one was making me do that. Are you hearing me? It's just part of my story. And I believe this. You might, you know, and I believe this. You got to choose how you respond. Because the way you choose to respond will determine your destiny. And the last point, and I'm going to be done, is this. Life is about inches. Life's just about inches. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? In, in the summer of 1957, there was a, a 12-year-old boy. His name was Ed Catmull. And Ed Catmull was on, driving across the country with his family in Yellowstone National Park. As they zigzagged through the canyon roads and everything. And what happened is there was no guardrails. And a car came and started drifting into their lane. And his mama had the first react. You know what women do. She just, ah! And he said, my dad just reacted and he said we came two inches from going off the edge of the road that's how close we came to missing finding nemo the incredibles and up two inches because ed catmull is the founder and the president of pixar the animation studios and you see so I see it as no Ed means no Toy Story 1, no Toy Story 2, and no Toy Story 3. Life is about inches. It just is. You see, how Tracy and I met is God. I think about how Jamie and Cheryl came. Jer- Jamie was in Frank. I was praying on the way here coming. I came up 26 and came this way this morning. I always come a different way. And I just started thinking about Jamie and Cheryl and how we just started connecting and I went and visited them in Franklin one time at their brand new house. They'd have been there just a few months. You couldn't miss it. It was the highest house in the whole parish, I think, like on a on a big hill thing. And and uh, I remember my son, Nathan, caught his first fish and all that in their pond. And, and then we just started connecting and God spoke to him and he just said, I want you to go. Whatever Bubba wants, whatever Bubba needs to be done, just ask him. And he came. Him and Cheryl came. They they left everything to come be a part of Jennings. And so when Jamie went to Jennings last week, even though he didn't know most three-fourths of the people there anymore, or more than that maybe, there's still people there that remember Jamie and Cheryl and they loved them. I had one guy uh, during the week. He owns a roofing company. He came, a new guy in our church. said, man, I didn't know there was a Pastor Jamie. Man, I'm going to go visit him. I'm going to come to Eunice. Man, that was a word. It was a word. And I just go, yeah, he's my son. Don't you see the resemblance? There is none. But I'm so proud of them because think about it. The way God works things out. 
God's in the bad business of, of strategy positioning the right place at the right time. Let me put my cards on the table. I don't believe in coincidence. If you're living a spirit-filled life, I believe in the providence of God. What does that look like? That God cares, God guides, God leads. He has his manifestation of his divine uh, care and his direction over people's lives. It, it would be so easy to have just kept Jamie and Cheryl and Jennings and be on staff. But you know what? God had bigger and better things. Are you hearing me? For this church. For you. You see, of course, I believe in the sovereignty. I believe in God orders our steps. He prepares good works in advance. Making all things work together. Of course, some things won't make sense until we get to heaven. Amen? In the meantime, don't worry about meeting the right person. Be concerned about being the right person. If you keep doing the right things day in and day out, let me just say, God will hold up his end of the bargain. If you want God to do something new, you can't keep doing the same old thing. What do you need to stop doing? Whether it's a stop doing list or start doing list, if you don't do either one of them, it's just called a wish list. You see, don't don't get overwhelmed by the size of your lion. Focus on the first step. The step. David had to make a step. Come on. You ever see that movie, What's Up, Bob? I don't know if you ever saw it. It's it's like Richard Dreyfuss and uh, Bill Murray years ago. And he was like, he's seeing the psychologist. And he's like, he actually, this Bill Murray ends up driving the psychologist crazy. And he becomes a counselor. And the psychologist ends up in the nut house. Anyway, but it was like, he was like, but Bill Murray, he was telling Bill Murray, he goes, it's baby steps. It's just baby steps we get. And sometimes when we walk with God, is God's going, hey, man, come on, just make a step. It's stopping. See, that one step can lead to your destiny. That one step can help you overcome. Are you hearing me? David had to make a step toward the giant. And the Bible says when he started stepping, then he started running to the enemy. And see, that's what prayer does. I believe you become mighty in prayer before you become mighty in what you do for God. Because all of a sudden, God begins to pour his courage and when you're discouraged. And, and, and he puts, that's what encouragement means, pouring courage into us. How many little courage poured into you? And see, I believe this. Don't get overwhelmed. If you don't do it, you'll become yesterday's man or yesterday's woman. And you'll keep running. But I believe if you become a tomorrow man, a tomorrow woman, that means you begin to make steps towards your enemy and whatever it is. See, let me just say this. The struggle's real, but so are the blessings. The struggle that we face in life is real. But can I tell you something? So are the blessings of God. See, people want the blessings without the struggle. People want the blessings without making a step. People want the blessings. We want the blessings rather than going, you know what? There's some things I'm responsible for, things I have to face. Amen? I'm glad my mama got me off of milk. You know what I mean? We all have to be weaned. We all have to make steps. Now I get to enjoy being the senior pastor. I see Jamie, I see Josh, I see Zach, and I see other leaders within our churches, and I see them making steps and becoming what God has called them to be. Are you hearing me? 
And I'm so proud of them. I'm so happy. I see what they do. And I see, and I'm learning from them now. They're better communicators than me. They're better pastors than me. But can I just tell you something? It's like, it's like someone has to make a step. You see, I believe the gospel doesn't require gimmicks. You got to chase some things out of your life. Come on. I'm in the right place. You got to stop running from your fears. You got to, you got to, your destiny happens one decision. What decision do you need to make that you need to step toward? Step toward it. Step toward it. And remember, life's about inches. You just never know what's on the other side when you make the step.